Testing, testing, one, two, three. Yes, this is episode 254 of Griff's Brain Dumps. Me, Griff, obviously. How you doing? You good? Are you well? Um, it's uh, Saturday. Saturday, the, um, the what? 11th of December. And we're recording the pod at home. I'm walking around. I'm doing domestic things. Um, I just realised I walked downstairs. Don't need to walk downstairs. So I won't be walking about. Be partly distracted. Might think I can multitask, even though I know for a fact, we cannot multitask as humans. All we can do is just switch between tasks very quickly, um, or more quickly than others. So if you class that as multitasking, then by all means, that's multitasking. But it's not It's not really, is it? You can't do multiple things at once. You start doing one thing, you stop doing another. Although I am folding socks and talking. I'm a genius. But um, like I said, uh, yeah, it's Saturday. Got a bit of a sniffle. Is it David? I've tested. I'm negative. So what what more can you do? Um, and I don't think sniffles are actually a, a vid symptom anyway. So <laughs> that's the thing, man, because of this fucking Omnicron. Which makes you laugh everyone goes, oh, it reminds me of a Marion. Not me. Omnicron reminds me of Futurama. Om- Omnicron Percy I8 was uh, was another planet on Futura- on Futurama. So that's that's what it always reminds me of when I hear Omnicron. Um, but yeah, there's all this talk about Omicron and cases and, you know, it just makes you fucking paranoid, man. Every time I've got any kind of symptom, I have a cough. I ain't had a cough, to be fair. I've had a sniffle. I'm like, let me test myself. Negative. Oh, a bit of a headache. Test myself. Ignore the fact I hadn't drank water all day. Staring at a bloody computer screen. Nah, it's not that. Probably COVID tested net negative. But you even have an itchy toe on testing. Like whatever it is, I'm testing. Um, because basically, if I do get it, I want to get it now so I can just isolate and then be ready to come out for Christmas. Because I can't test before Christmas and then you know get it and I have to stay at home. That'd be good. So um, that's why. But I'm testing. I want if I'm going to get, it, I want to get it now. I stay for 10 days and that's it. Get it out of the way. But yeah, there's lots of people getting it. And it's crazy. We've had, we've had two people in my office have it. Um, bloody, I think they're both double jabbed. They've got it. So, and, uh, and that, listen, that's, I think I said last week, I don't get any sense of smugness from anyone getting this thing. It's, it's flipping annoying. I don't want anyone to get it. But the news and the, the way they're covering it, it's, they're pushing me. This is sound more like a conspiracy theorist every flipping day. It's annoying because I'm not one. <laughs> All right. But some of the news articles. I read one uh, today. I should have actually saved it to illustrate what I'm talking about. It's a long article. But it's basically saying um, people coming in unvaccinated and it's too late for them to get jabbed. That's the headline. So creating a panic. Like, oh, shit. If I do decide I want to get jabbed, it's going to be too late. And you read the article now, and it's basically hospital mission saying that, yeah, um, currently not actually that many people are in hospital with COVID. And that uh, the people who do come in to hospital are unvaccinated. It's like, okay, but are they coming into hospital with COVID? No, they're not. And like the, the article was so messy, it was just covering all these different points. And it wasn't actually, it, it never it never really addressed the headline, what the headline was implying, that 
people coming in with COVID symptoms and then want the jab and it's too late for them because it's so bad. That isn't what's actually happening in the articles. In the articles talking about number of beds, the pressure that the NHS is going to be under uh, over Christmas, which has been the same thing reported, I think, for the past 10 years. The NHS is stressed over Christmas, whether it's flu, whether it's drunken parties, whatever. The NHS is always stressed over Christmas, right? So they were saying about, um, yeah, it just didn't make sense to me. Just like there's so much people with vaccine, people without vaccine, and they just keep just trying to just shoehorn it in. And, it, and it's a bit weird. It's getting weird now. All the talk about mandatory vaccines now. I think Ghana said you can't come in unless you've got... Unless you're vaccinated, hey, it's your country, do what you want. I just, um, but it's this thing of, here's my thing, right, with the va- being vaccinated. All the protocols around it is that if you're not vaccinated, then you are subjected to ridiculous amount of testing. Like if you're trying to fly somewhere, you've got to test before you leave, test when you, uh, no, test before you leave. Do you have some places I think you have to test when you land, then you test before you come back, and then you um, test in a few days after. Right? That's how it works. That's if you have not been vaccinated. So you test it. You, you're verifying you have not got it. Well, if you're jabbed, you are just walking through these places willy-nilly, flashing something on your bloody phone to say, yeah, I've been jabbed. And that's it. That's all the checks we're doing for you. Uh, does the jab stop me from getting COVID? No. So do you not want to test me to see if I've got it? No, I'll be all right if I've got it because I know understand that much of the jab. It's that it lowers your symptoms. But, you know, um, I can still get it though, right? Yeah. I can still spread it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you don't want to test me? No, 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 you're all right. You're fine. Don't want to test you. You're, you're good. He said that makes no sense to me. I can understand maybe less stringent testing, but you got to test. If your concern is about spreading this virus, then you've got to be testing people. And that's where you end up in the conspiracy corner because it's like, well, you're not acting like it's about to spread. It's acting like you're just pissed off people haven't taken the vaccine and done what they're told. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. Then you got to, but then the flip side, right? So a lot of, un- this sniffing's going to be annoying, right? I can see like a, Okay, no, it's not actually that bad. I was before showing the red line on the on the sound. As I say, that must be annoying in your ears. But um, well, the other side of what I'm seeing, which is equally ridiculous, is people going, oh, so two jabs ain't enough, is it? Now it's free. Two jabs are pointless, is it? So, yeah, I saw someone say two jabs are pointless because you need to get this booster to get protected from the new variant. No, that's not fair. It's a new variant. Therefore, a booster... I'd expect the booster to react to a new variant. I don't expect the booster to help me with the old variant. Nah, that's what, that's what I mean. If I'm getting a booster, you've got to protect me for the new shit. Because everything I've got so far, you've got to tell me has to protect me from the old shit, right? But here's this bit. They go, oh, does that mean the two jabs are useless? Well, no, you can't have three jabs if you haven't had two before. You can't just have the booster on its own. That's not going to do anything. Yeah? That doesn't make sense. It's like uh, if you buy a computer and they go, all right, well, you're going to have to buy some software. And then you go buy some software, you go buy the antivirus thing. And then it's like you go, ah, 
Ah, see what you're saying. Software and the computer are useless now. Because I've got to get his antivirus stuff on there. It's like, uh, no, just that's just a third thing you need to do. Nah. No, that's not a reason to not do it. But I don't know. I don't know. It's just all, it's all very conflicted. I feel like it's all going to come to a head. I think what they're going to do. I think they will go mandatory. I think they'll go mandatory with the vaccines. And then I won't have a choice. And then I'll just take the vaccine. <laughs> there we see it. We'll be done. It'll be fixed. All right, need to think about it. It'll all be done. It'll be taken care of. It'll be taken out of my hands. And uh, just crack on for life, right? Um, but yeah, it's just, I know, it's just a just odd situation we're in. And people really are just... Um, and then this fucking, this party as well. It's a lot of the, you know, the people who haven't got the vaccine and they'll say, oh, so you weren't annoyed and they were trying to take this from you and that from you, but you're annoyed about this stupid party. Wake up. Stay woke. Sheeple. Hey? Sheeple. Where is up? <laughs> It's like, no, I think people can be annoyed about multiple things, you know. Maybe be annoyed at the party. Maybe annoyed at the uh, at the change in the immigration law. It's not even immigration; it's like citizenship law. We can strip someone's citizenship without notice. Now I get it. With a lot of these laws, how they're applied in practice sounds very different how they're written down, and how it's written down does sound very worrying in the sense of. You could just strip someone's citizenship like that. And then people just immediately think of the worst case scenario and the abuse of that law uh, where, you know, they just take someone's citizenship away for speeding. You know, to take like my mum's citizenship away because she's speeding. But here's the difference. In, this is the thing with law, right? You've got the letter of the law and you've got the spirit of the law. And when it comes to law and appeals and this is the, I guess the issues you've got enough money to appeal but when it comes to the law it's not the letter of the law that's always um, pushed it's the spirit of the law spirit of the law is you know that's that's the intellect involved in it so for example so we know that like murder is illegal okay of course murder is illegal you should never murder anyone that's it's in the Ten Commandments it's written in law it's common law in the UK. Don't murder. That's the letter of the law. Spirit of the law, though. If you're about to murder me, and then I murder you because you're threatening my life, and I'm just simply protecting my life, or I'm actually protecting someone else's life, and um, I reasonably think they're in danger, then guess what? You're now legally allowed to murder someone. You see? And that's where it's about the spirit Versus the letter of the law. So when it comes to the immigration thing. And the spirit of the law. Has to be. Has to be. Is about deporting. Um, and stripping citizenship of. People who are imminent threat. To the UK. Not that I agree or not. But example would be someone like Shamima Begum. Who's joined a terrorist organisation. They think she's a threat to UK security. It's her that they need to be able to act quickly and go, yeah, do you know what? We need to just rip up their citizenship so they can't come back. 
Um, not that I even agree with that principle, but that's why I think that's where I think the law's written. Obviously, it's not written for you know just your average Joe. But will it be applied that way? Who knows? Who knows? It, it won't be shocking if it is, right? If it is applied in a in the, in a worst spirit of the law, that I don't think it'd be too shocked if that was the case. I mean, I think I've said multiple times with someone like Shamima Begum and stuff. You, you you can't put your rubbish in someone else's bin. <laughs> it's just that's that's what, and I hope people don't hear that me calling the young woman rubbish. I'm not saying that. It's the thing of if you're trying to discard her like rubbish. Hey, you better do it properly. No litter in here. You can't just go out and put this in your bin. It stinks. We don't want it in our bin. It's created the seeds, created a mess. We are not involved. No, 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 no. Take care of your shit. And, um... Oh, sorry, this sniffling. It's sniffling. Can't get rid of it. But it's not the vid, though. I'm telling you, it's not the vid. It's the... <laughs> Ah dear, but hey, it's all mad, the law's mad, the world's mad, stays mad, but um, what can you do, what can you do, I would then talk about it on a podcast to yourself, that's all you can do about it, right, um, I don't know what else is serious, so um, what are listening to talk about, um, what else I want to talk about, yeah, what else has gone in the world, so actually talking about the laws, the laws changing, Let's uh, fly over to New Zealand, eh? Let's fly over to New New Zealand, 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 New New Zealand. I'm gonna fuck fashion chops. Anyway, so the law in New Zealand, uh, they've announced that they they are uh, banning smoking for anyone who's born um, in 2008 and after. So you currently smoke now, you can buy tobacco, but um, before, if you're born after 20, 2008, so that's 14 years old, that's it. You missed out. It's, it will be illegal. I'm not sure what the actual uh, punishment will be. Will it be treated like a drug offence? I'm not sure if we treated like a class A. I could have probably done some research on this, but I just didn't bother. But um, we'll see. We'll see. But how, how mad's that? Like, I think that's it's good. It's, it's congruent, right? Because, you know, this country, rather than us ban cigarettes, we first said you can't advertise. You can't make your your branding nice. So they made it all plain. And they're like, all right, second step, put it behind the curtain. If you're selling it, you can't show you've got cigarettes. You can just say tobacco, but you don't have to show any of your tobacco products. So, okay, cool. And then it's like, all right, not enough. You need to put some nasty images of lungs and feet falling off and all that shit. Which pisses me off. I think I've said this on the pod before, but that only affects people who don't smoke. That's all that it does. People who smoke, like, I don't give a shit. I want a cigarette. I'm addicted to nicotine. I don't care. You can show a picture of my lung. I don't give a fuck. I want to smoke. Whereas, <laughs> whereas us, people who don't smoke, we're like, why do I have to see this gross shit? This is horrible. I don't need to see this. I don't want to see it. So I don't know, man. Uh, but yeah, so they've changed the law. Maybe I should do some research into what exactly they've they've changed in the New Zealand, uh, New Zealand um, smoking, New Zealand, New New Zealand smoking. 
not anything banned. What give me the actual dates? Let's go BBC. They're neutral. The reason why BBC's neutral, uh, you know, you can say what you want, but they, I saw uh, I saw a report where they basically had like a, almost a 50-50 complaint rate on people who deemed themselves right wing and people deemed themselves left wing. So like, ah, probably doing the right. Well, when it comes to politics, they're they're pretty unbiased. I know about other things, maybe not. Anyway, let's read this. Okay, yes, collect my data. You know that bit when they you know we join the website that GDPR stuff now, where you have to say yes, I want the cookies or I don't want the cookies and stuff. But like, no, does anyone else not give a shit? Like, I just find it a massive inconvenience to have to answer the question like i know you're going to track me anyway i know when i've said no i've still seen adverts from your website somewhere else like just don't lie to me man that's it anyway new zealand to ban cigarettes for future generations uh new zealand will ban the sale of tobacco to its next generation in a bid to eventually phase out smoking anyone born after 2008 will not be able to buy cigarettes or tobacco products in their lifetime um under the law expected to be enacted next year um we want to make sure young people never start smoking health minister dr aisha Varal. right cool so that's cool but i just want to know what is the punishment um do you have others have warned that the that the move may create a black market for tobacco oh yeah definitely hey man you got any cigarettes? You got any tobacco, man? Yeah, come here, come here, come here. I've got, I've got a bag. I've got, a, I've got an eighth, eighth of tobacco, man. Take this, take this, hold this. <laughs> Drug dealers selling tobacco. I guess it's going to be like how, you know, people who smoke weed get really hyped when they go to like Amsterdam. Like, they don't even smoke like that in the UK. But according to Amsterdam, they're smoking all day. They wake up, they're smoking. Is that what's going to be like for people from New Zealand? You know, they smoke cigarettes in their house with their friends and stuff at parties because it's cool. And then when they come to like another country, I guess Australia haven't banned it. So they just go to Australia. They're just like, smoke, smoke, smoke. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how they do that. I don't know what the, um, what the punishment is. Um... Oh, yeah, crack down out to the number of shops, recent years, vaping. It doesn't say what the punishment's going to be. Well, then, if there's no punishment attached to it, then it's what's the deterrent? It's not it's bad for your health because people know that already, man. I don't know. Like, there has to be a deterrent. I'm not an authoritarian type guy, but I understand how rules work, right? Um, is What else? <laughs> what else have I got on my list of things to talk about? Um, let's see. Oh, guess you've got um, yeah, got two more things to talk about. I've got the Tottenham's COVID issues. No, I don't really care about that. Um, let's see anything else? Oh, that's what I was about to talk about. Hear this, guys. All right, hear this. I've got uh, I've got a question for you. <laughs> so. It's an issue. It's a big issue. Big issue. The big issue was that it's um, on my way to work. I saw uh, the most confusing thing in my life. I saw a very attractive big issue lady. That's right. Attractive big issue lady. That um, it confused me. 
because uh, you, you remember a few weeks ago, I was saying about how um, homeless women must have the best morals. Um, because there's such perverts out there, you know, you could just get yourself a house easy. You know, there's got to be a guy there who's got enough money that, you know, you can afford to live in his house rent free. And all you need to do is just let him look at your feet. So this woman um, was walking down Baker Street and locked eyes with this woman. So, and she, she's had a big issue, but it's like a, it, there's a delay between me processing her face and me hearing the words out of her mouth and then looking at what I was seeing. So I saw a good looking woman, thought, why is this woman talking to me? And then heard her say, big issue. And then I really, then it all came together. I was like, as I was thinking, oh my God, she's so good looking. I realised she sat on the floor in the Big Issue jacket, Big Big Issue magazine. And I was, I just carried on walking. But in my head, I was like, that, what? It didn't make any sense to me. Um, no, but really good looking. To, um, to the point where I was just like, if I was single, would I have turned back and spoke to her? <laughs> Like, could you? Could you? Could you date a homeless person? Because I guess, look, if we not trivialise homelessness, like homelessness simply just means you don't have an address, right? I'm not talking about that kind of homeless. I think one of my exes was technically homeless at some point because she didn't have a permanent address, right? Um, so I'm not talking about that kind of homeless. Um, where you're, you know, where you're sofa surfing. No, no, no. I'm talking. Homeless, walking down the overground, going. I know it's been a long day for everyone on the train, but you know, I just need twenty p, get twenty pounds, spend the night at a hostel. You know, all that. Talk about that. Now imagine you you sat on the train, just a woman's walking down. And, you know, you you're pretending to listen to music, even though you've got no headphones in, and then you look up, and it's like she's a bit dirty, but you can see. Literally one, she's one shower away from being a solid eight out of ten. Would you do it, Mandem? <laughs> I just want to know. I just want to know. I don't know. I just messed around. But um, yeah, it's just one of those silly things that crossed crossed my mind this week. And um, what else happened? Oh, the F one. The F one happened today. Are you confused? Listen to this pod that I've said the F one's happening today when I was said it's Saturday. That's because I've been recording this pod. This is the fourth part of the pod. I've recorded this podcast in four different parts. Um, I've let you into a little secret. This is the final part. It's now Sunday night at, um, at 11, no, it's 20 to midnight. Sunday night. This started Saturday morning, this podcast. Um, so it's been spread over 36 hours recording this podcast. Um well, go and just break it down. We'll pull back the curtain and see if you notice the, the sound or the volume change. Because oh, I'm not going to do enough sophisticated editing to change the volume. You're just going to hear it go up, down, up, down. You're going to think your headphones are broken. Whatever. So the first part was done in the house. Uh, so the morning, then the second part, I think I got a phone call halfway through. So the second part was done. So the first part was done upstairs in my bedroom. Second part was done downstairs in the kitchen. Third part was done in a car between gigs. And then the fourth part has been done in the kitchen again, downstairs. So, um, yeah. 
So that's, that's been the magic of the podcast. And I watched the F1 today. Um, congratulations to Max Verstappen. Um, but wow, what's, what an absolute shaggery and fuck up by the FIA, by the race director. Um, I can't remember his first name, but I know his Massey is his surname. Look, I've seen a lot of um, talk and at the end of the day, I know it's a, it's been, because of the way both drivers drive, it's been a very partisan season, either Team Max or Team Lewis. I was talking to a couple of guys about this when it comes to like Ronaldo and Messi. I'm one of those people who can like both. And, and I like both. I like Max and I like Lewis. I like how they both drive. They're just aggressive. They want it. Lewis has mellowed in his time. I mean, maybe he can mellow because he's got a better car. So he doesn't need to be as aggressive as as Max, but I remember very clearly when Lewis first started, he was, he was the same guy. He's, I'm here to race. I'm here to win. Let's race. And, um, and that's Max. I think what it is, is Max just probably has a bit more of a callousness to how he talks. Um, but, you know, today, seeing him win and his emotion, his dad there as well. Um, you saw the human and then when he actually spoke about Lewis he spoke about Lewis in a very respectful way you know Lewis was absolutely gracious in, in defeat and I think that kind of lowered the walls on you know on the on the kind of bipartisan issue of Max versus Lewis right but that aside that final decision on the um, for the last lap after the safety car. Now, some of you may watch F1. Some of you may have watched F1 for the first time um, for this race because you knew it was a big race. You saw the hype about it. Um, that I didn't know what that rule was at the beginning. So when I saw the safety car come out, I knew there was a chance that the race could end behind the safety car. Um, and I personally thought, I didn't, I didn't know... Um, that basically you let the cars through who have been lapped to unlap themselves, if you will, um, to get back into race position. Yeah, so obviously when the first Lewis Hamilton was leading the race, he's going to start taking over the back mark and start lapping them. And he just start lapping them. So the safety car always comes out in front of the leader. So because of that, you end up uh, with a situation where whoever Lewis is lapped he's now just ahead of them yeah so let me explain so he's position one and then he think people between him and the max were position five six seven eight and nine because max is second but he's about to lap the person in the night in ninth place see what i mean he's about to lap those guys so what happens when the safety car comes out is that the race directors tell them, look, um, no, regardless of what the race director tells them, because of that, because the safe car comes out, Max ha- just has to go Hail Mary. So he goes into the pit, goes on soft tyres, which means he's going to have the faster tyres, the hotter, they've got more grip. He's going to have the faster car, right? Because he's got nothing else to lose. He's not winning. Um, he just has to go for it. So the question is, why doesn't Lewis do the same? Just to counter that, well, Lewis can't do the same because the risk is he loses track position. He's currently leading the race. If he goes in the pit, he comes out second. And then if the race ends under a safety car and there's no racing, he's lost the race. So he has to stay out. Okay. 
or even if he's considering going there, he needs to know a bit more. Anyway, the direction comes because they send a message from race control to all the teams. Message goes from race control to all the team. We're going to be behind the safety card. They're going to be behind the safety card. We're going to just be processioning around. There won't be, we won't be clearing the, the what you call the back markers, the people who have been lapped. If we restart the race, we're going to be restarting it, you know, from where they are. Christian Horner gets onto the race control. Christian Horner is the principal for Red Bull. And both principals of Mercedes and Red Bull have been in race control's ear. Michael Massey, that's his name, Michael. They've been in his ear all race. Every decision, they've just been in his ear, going, what are you doing, what are you doing, what is this? So Christian Horner gets on the blower straight away and goes, look, what are you doing? You, you've got to clear the back markers. We've got to have a race. So race control, he's now sounding panicked on the race control. He's like, Christian, look, just let me deal with this incident first because there was a crash that caused the, the safety car. So they're all under the impression that, I mean, that the communication is going out to all the teams is that you're going to be just going behind the safety car, whatever position you're in at the moment, that's where you're staying. And when the safety car leaves, then it's race back on, but the, you've got three or four cars of team, Lewis and Max. Then race control announce, literally moments before the safety car goes in, they're going to let the five cars between Max and Lewis pass the safety car. Right, which then means that Max is right behind Lewis on a fresh set of tires. Now, what is controversial about this rule is, is that the rule as it's written is you're meant to let every car that's been lapped past the safety car, which is another um, another four or five cars. Everyone needs to get back into position. So by the time you do all of that, and then the rule states once that's done, the safety car has to go around for another lap. Yeah, because while well, the cars are in the right position now for another lap, but if that was to have happened, the race would end behind the safety car. So race control have what they've tried to do is they try to go find some middle ground and go well we want there to be a race and we want there to be a final lap of racing so we'll just let these cars through they'll be able to get through in time and then it's a final lap race which would have been fantastic to watch if both cars had the same opportunity to prepare for that final lap from what you end up happening is max is on the faster tires Toto Wolf, who's a principal for Mercedes, is like, no, you can't do this, Mark. This is not fair. This is a right. And uh, lo and behold, Max Verstappen overtakes Lewis Hamilton in the final lap and wins the race and becomes the world champion. Now, what happens is because of the because of the FIA obviously rob a lot of people's responses ever have robbed Lewis, um, which I guess as you know as a result. They have robbed Lewis. Did they rob Lewis as a... How do I word this? I need better vocabulary. I need to read more. Did they do it on purpose in the sense of... Did they do it to spite Lewis? I don't think so. I think what they've done is they've tried to find a middle ground. And that middle ground has resulted in Max being a massive beneficiary. They've they've tried to set up a 50-50, but 
in effect, they've set up a literally 90-10. It's a slam dunk for Max Verstappen. Just to create entertainment. They haven't followed their own rules and they're going to create entertainment. So I don't think there's any kind of... Um, but I saw people's reactions. And it was like, you know, fuck Max, fuck Red Bull, fuck the FIA. They, you know, it's a conspiracy. They don't want a black man to win. And I'm just like, I'm not hearing all the conspiracy stuff. I'm not even hearing the races apart. Lewis Hamilton's won the title seven times. If they didn't want a black man to win, he wouldn't be winning. Very easy to, it's different to like athletics where it's just me running as fast as I can. I'm in a vehicle, it's very easy for you to, you know, damage the vehicle, uh, do an inspection. So, oh, that's, that's broken the rules. You know, it's so, it would be so easy to stop someone winning a motor race. So many variables. But, um, so I don't think it's that. I think that, like I said, they just tried, they've put entertainment over the rules. So now we've got a situation where we have a man who's won his first world title and a man who had been denied when his eighth to become the greatest ever. And it's now been appealed. Um, the FIA have to investigate themselves and surprisingly, they've said no wrongdoing. It's just mad, right? Um, so now they've got an appeals thing that has to be submitted in, uh, I think it's 92 hours of the race, which I think that would definitely be done. And if that's not heard, or if that's not doesn't go the way Mercedes wanted to go, then they'll be going to cast the court of, the court of arbitration in sport in Switzerland, who aren't anything to do with FIA. They just say it's basically a sport, bunch of sports lawyers who look at the rules and say whether the rules have been broken or not. Um, UEFA and Man City were in front of CAS before, so now it's the FIA and Mercedes. And look, here's the thing that could happen. They could either rule in uh, Red Bull and Max's favour, well, in the FIA's favour, sorry, I should say, which would then lead to um, the current result staying in place, Max and Red Bull uh, winning the Drivers' Championship, or they rule in Mercedes' favour, ends up Lewis winning. It's going to be such a bitter victory. Lewis doesn't want to win his eighth world title in court. You know what I mean? No, no one wants that. And it's just a bit gutting for me that the final race after such a great season, full of terrible decisions by the FIA, is going to be decided in court with lawyers. It just it leaves a bad taste in your mouth, right? A horrible taste. But Hey man, it is what it is. Um, I think they're both great drivers. It's definitely going to make next season great if Lewis decides to stay. I think he will decide to stay. He'll, he'll won that eighth, right? He won it. And if he wins it next year, I don't think there'll be anyone that will begrudge, begrudge uh, Lewis winning it. I don't think anyone will. So I'll, I kind of want Lewis to win it this year and then retire. Be the greatest ever and then just let Max do his thing and go and destroy. But then I guess I'm happy for Max to be able to actually win one against Lewis. Like you, you've won against one of the best. I mean, the best. Equally the best at the moment. Anyway, let's get to um, Dear Deirdre. I mean, I think this pod doesn't feel like it's been very long because I've only done 15 minutes in this session, but let's get the Dear Deirdre going. And uh, all right. Oh my God. Dear Deirdre, my girlfriend confessed to having sex with my boss at our Christmas party. Please tell me your girlfriend at least works with you. 
I'm not saying cheating's fine, but if she doesn't even work with you, you know, it's like one of those work pipes and bring bring your partners along and then she smashes your boss. Rude. Absolutely rude. He said he's gonna give you a promotion, Gary. No. Dear Deirdre, my new girlfriend has confessed to having sex with my boss at our at our Christmas party. Everyone warned everyone warned me she was a flirt, but I ignored them. Okay. We met only a month ago, but I was blown away by her. She is incredibly confident and self-assured. I'm 28 and she's 26. I have a brilliant job in sales, which I love, and get on really well with my boss. He is 12 years older than me. He is supportive and has helped me with new leads and approaches. Um, I've learned so much from him. Okay, cool. As our department has had a great year despite the pandemic, he treated us all to a posh night out, dinner and a nightclub. During the evening, I introduced my girlfriend to him. So your girlfriend literally wasn't, she doesn't work for you, work with you. I was pretty put out when they began flirting right in front of me, but I did my best to ignore it. Oh man, that's giving me trauma from when I was younger. I've seen, I've had a girlfriend, your ex-girlfriend flirt with someone in front of me. Um, She didn't think I was there though. So I guess that makes it a bit better, I suppose. (laughs) <laughs> right <laughs> she didn't think I was there so I guess that you got some element of respect it's like look I'll flirt with you but my boyfriend's actually here so no she was just like I literally came with my boyfriend I don't even know you I've met you through my boyfriend but I'm flirting with you and I think I've even been on the receiving end of that when you've just got someone flirting with you and, just, and you're there looking at their boyfriend Either they look at their boyfriend like, I'm sorry, mate, but also you need to apologise to me because your girlfriend's trying it on with me. So, yeah. Uh, we went on to a club after dinner. I got concerned by one of my colleagues who wanted to talk shop. I got cornered, sorry. Ah, mate, this guy either really did want to talk shop or he's playing big wingman to the boss. Imagine that. Hey, Daniel, go, um, just go talk to go talk to Gary. Well, just... Keep him occupied for 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> God damn. Uh, all the while, I could see my girlfriend on the dance floor. She was having a great time body grinding with my boss. Jesus Christ. I was fuming but kept my cool. I didn't want to make a scene, so I went outside for a smoke to try to calm down. Never be the bigger person. Listen, when it comes to your relationship, yeah? Don't be the big person. If you're going to be the bigger person like that, then mentally decide you're walking away. Mentally decide it's done. That's the two things. You either want the relationship, they kick off in the club. I don't care. I know it sounds toxic, but no, no, no. Don't let anything happen and then be the bigger person. No, no, no. Either you're deciding to walk away, it's like, I'm not at court. Actually, I'm going to fuck off home. She can just stay here. I don't give a shit. It's done. Either do that, or kick off in the club. Just go like, what the fuck are you doing? So she knows, rah, I, I was doing the madness. I can't behave like that. I don't know what happened. You know what I mean? But instead you did Mr. Cool Guy and you played it so cool, your girlfriend got banged by your boss. Don't play it cool unless you don't care. If you care, let it be known you care. 
I promise you, because if you're going to let it know if you care and she's going to tell you you're overreacting and you need to calm down and you're being embarrassed, then that will also let you know she's a dick. Get rid of her. But don't let the bullshit happen. All right? I'm telling you. Anyway. Last few I kept recording. didn't want to make a scene, so I went outside to smoke and tried to calm down. I bet you came back inside and you couldn't find them. <laughs> When I returned, my boss and my girlfriend were nowhere to be seen. There you go. Now, the best scenario is that they've actually gone. The worst case scenario is you see them coming out of the disabled toilet. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Uh, when I returned, my boss and my girlfriend were nowhere to be seen. I downed a couple more drinks and then my girlfriend um, siddled. Siddled? I don't know that's the word. Siddled up beside me at the bar. She, began, she said she had gone out onto the roof terrace to cool down. We left soon afterward and I stayed at her flat. The next day she told me she'd had sex with my boss on the roof terrace. Jesus Christ, man. She said it just happened. She's consumed with guilt but was in bits and dumped. I was in bits and I dumped her. I feel totally humiliated. Okay. So here's what you do. This way you got need a bit of toxic masculinity to get through this. You got rid of the girlfriend. That's the first thing you need to do. Now you're probably worried about, you know, what's the relationship like with your boss? Because you didn't really say anything after, like, what your actual dilemma was. Because she had sex with your boss and now you got rid of her. Is it that you're worried about what your relationship's going to be like with your boss? Because um, here's the thing. If you're with your boss, you get your toxic masculinity on. You sit with your boss blood beside you, smashed, Sally, on the roof terrace. And he's like, yeah, about that. Oh, do you know what? I'm really sorry. Go, no, it's yeah, all right. It's all right. You know what I mean? It's right if it's serious. As you choke down the tears. And you go, but you do owe me now. And he's like, what? You owe me. And you just stare at him. You know, look, you owe me. And then that's when you just manoeuvre whatever deal you need. You take some of his clients' his leads. You take whatever percentage of his sales you need. And then that's how you just manoeuvre up in the business, my friend. Then never bring a girlfriend to any work things ever again either. Pick some better women. And then even if you pick a good woman, a good homeless woman, don't let her come to the party. All right? Don't. And that's my that's my message to you, my friend. Um, let's see. Um, geez, got the sniffles bad. Anyway, but it's not COVID because sniffles isn't a COVID um, symptom. I keep forgetting that. I can feel oh God, oh God, I block nose. I've got COVID. I read the symptoms. Have you got a persistent cough? No. Oh, you got a fever. High temperature, no. So, then you haven't got COVID. Is that if you lost your sense of smell and taste? Nah, you ain't got COVID, mate. It's like yeah, but my toe itches. You sure? Anyway, dear Deirdre, dread being alone. I worry about the age gap with husband and worry he'll die a lot sooner than me. I mean, if the age gap is over ten years, then that's what will happen. Um, but if the age gap is like two years, then chill out, love. I mean, and how old are you? 
And it's your husband. So I don't know why this is a concern now because you've got married. Like this should have been a concern when you started dating. It's not like they suddenly got old, like the age gap grew in the relationship. Like what are you talking about? Anyway. Um, our 31 year our 31 year relationship, my husband and I have dealt with no nosy looks and rude comments about our 23 year age gap. Alright, so how old were you when you met? But now I can't shake off the dread that I don't have long left with him as he will die a lot sooner than me. Yeah, 23 years old, didn't you? That's right. He is 83 and fairly fit, while I am 60 and very active. This is mad, because I wouldn't think of 83 and 60 as a big age gap, but obviously it is. And you've been married, what, for 31 years? So you met when you were 29. And he was 52. Yeah, that's mad. 52 and 29. That would have looked crazy. Well, not too crazy, though. Like, because if, if he's a young... He's a young looking 52. You know, like those Hollywood actors and stuff. Like, they're all like 50s, isn't it? So, it might not look too crazy if you both look, if he looked good at 52. But I just don't understand the fear of the age gap thing, man. Like, you knew then. That's why you, you, when you're getting, when people get into relationships, like, they're not thinking about it at 360. It's annoying. I'm really not thinking about it at 360. I remember this one woman I was dating. She was um, she was three years older than me and stuff. And we got on, we got on, you know, very attractive woman. But then when I really thought about it, I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is fun, but I want kids. It's mad that I've ended up needing IVF and stuff. I was thinking she'll need IVF. <laughs> but that's what I was thinking. I was thinking all that. I was like, the age gaps, the age gaps mad. Um, and she'll be on the kids thing in, like straight away like how deep into how long because I'm not trying to marry this woman right now we're not even in a relationship we're just seeing each other so when I was doing it in my head doing the maths I was going right well if we see each other for this long and then you know we actually start going out with each other then we actually get engaged and we actually get married that's another like three or four years down the line and we're getting older and she's much older. And then what? What then? We're going to try for kids for a bit. Then I leave and I'm still young and I can still have kids. Do you remember, this is before I actually went for IVF myself and realised I would have had an issue anyway. But even that, she's much older and I would have had an issue as well. This wouldn't have been great. But for making, because I had that all rattling around my head, I just kind of knocked it on his head and said, nah, what are we doing? What's the point? Uh, it's just things like that, like that's not even a personality thing or a red flag or something to be hidden, that's just a fact. You know your age is 23 years old than you, and now you're worried that he's going to die before you. That was always going to happen. Always. you got to remember, women, even if you're the same age as your fella, he's going to die before you, likely. So, like, I hope I die before Naomi. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at old age, not not this age right now. Shit. If it's this age, then damn, I, I picked me. <laughs> anyway, we've been happily married and still love uh, one another lots. We are very lucky to have such a good life together. My family, and particularly my mum, 
didn't approve of us because of the age difference, so I walked away from them to be with him. They never found it in their hearts to say they were wrong about him, but I glad I, but all be glad I was happy. Jeez, my um, my parents both died a few years ago, and I hadn't seen them for years. I don't have children, so could this be a fear of being alone? I think so. You don't have kids. Your parents are gone. Your old man. He's had to die a few years. Of course. Dreadful. But this is the thing. If you don't have kids, you, you've got to have a connection to younger generations. So you've got to put in that shift with nieces and nephews, um, friends, kids. you just got to have another generation, young, someone younger that will look out for you. I think that's just important, right? Even just just for your own like social socialization, sanity, health. Just you gotta have a younger a, a younger outlet just to talk to. I think I think it's important. Anyway, this next one. This is the last one. Um, uh, let's see. Family friction. My family don't like my boyfriend and refuse to come to my house. Win. <laughs> Where's the problem? Family don't want to come to your house. Perfect. Do they let you in their house? If they do, then win. That's what you need to do. My dear, dear G, my family don't like my boyfriend and refuse to come to my house. He used to date my cousin and according to them, they, they, had, had, they had a bad breakup. What do you mean according to them? She's your cousin. Why don't you just ask her? Did you not meet him when they were dated? Like you're saying like you found out after. So all you tell me you fancied him when you saw your cousin bring him in. Like what is going on? Why are you dating your cousin's ex? You're annoying. Anyway. I don't know anything about it as it happened a long time ago. Hmm. Um, I am 39. My boyfriend is 41. I told my family that there are two sides to every story, but they say my boyfriend didn't treat my cousin well. Why do you not ask your cousin? I asked my boyfriend about it, and he says all he can remember is that he had enough of the relationship. He says he left, taking his things, and that my cousin was the one who treated him badly. I don't want to lose him. This is making me so sad. I don't know what to do. The, I don't know what your dilemma is because if you're already banging your cousin's ex, you don't give a shit about your family anyway. So why are you worried? Just live life and be happy, innit? But I don't know why you're lying to yourself. I don't why you're trying to sound nice with people. Just just it. Just fuck the family off. And do what you want. And if you have a kid, then that's when your family but we want to come and see the kid. You know what I mean? That'll, that'll quash the beef. Anyway, people, that's the end of the pod because it's now midnight. Um, so, yeah, that's the end of the pod. Jeez, this is 31 minutes, just this part of the pod. This is going to be a long pod. Never record pods over multiple days. <laughs> All right, people. Peace.